Take out your sermon notes, if you will, please, on the back of your bulletin. And this morning we're talking about, through all of our Sunday school time together, uh, our subject, our family theme all week long has been influence. Wow. As I started preparing for this and gathering a sermon together and putting down some thoughts and this past Thursday evening uh, finalized things over at the bread company. And I had Debbie, she came over there and met me and we had coffee. I had coffee. She doesn't drink coffee. She won't drink coffee with me. I asked her, I said, what are you going to do when we get to be 65, 70, 75 years old, sitting on the front porch or back porch of our house in the mornings and I'm going to drink coffee all by myself and give her a Diet Coke. I mean, that's just something, it it just, the ambiance is just not there, is it? Anyway, pray that she'll start drinking coffee. But anyhow, she was there with me and I said, I want you to look. I said, I want you to look at some of the things I've put together on influence. Guys, I had 27 pages of notes on influence. I said, I got to cut this thing down. There's no way in the world that I can share all of the information there is to be shared on influence. But what a vast subject. Boy, there's so much material out there and in the Word of God that can help us in the area of influence. So with the Lord's help and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I tried to whittle this thing down so that I could deliver it to you in about 29 minutes, maybe. (laughs) We'll see what we can do. But I want to share with you a few things about some qualities, some characteristics, some things that we must have in our life so that we can have and be a godly influence on those people around us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then I want to jump into this subject this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of worship that we feel in our presence here today. Thank you for our congregation. Thank you for each and every one that's put forth an effort to make this worship service possible today. Everything from Jacob and Jordan posting the colors this morning to the praise choir singing to the ushers taking up the offering to your people just assembled together. Thank you, Lord, for every Sunday school teacher and And every Sunday school student, every single individual that's coming together to study your word. And and for everyone that's here this morning. And God, we're not here by mistake. We're not here by accident. I don't really believe there are any accidents in this world. There's only divine appointments. And there are times in our life where you intersect our lives. And sometimes we call it a fluke. Sometimes we call it accidents. Sometimes we call it weird. Sometimes we call it coincidence. But I believe that's the leadership of your Holy Spirit trying to speak to us. And God, we're here today for a reason. And I pray, dear Lord, that this message today, not because I'm a great speaker, God, because I realize I am not. Not because I am a great theologian, because, God, I realize I am not. But, God, what I am is a vessel that just wants to be used of you. And, God, I pray that you'd speak through me this morning. May the words that I'm going to say, the words you're going to direct me to say, may they find their place in our hearts. And God, may we be changed from within. And that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, help us today to change our hearts, thus changing our lives, thus changing and making an impact on those around us. I ask you to speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning in our, all of our Sunday school classes and 
Brother Darrell's already recited and shared with us our meditation verse, memory verse that we have been discussing this week, found in the book of Proverbs. And then we went over about five different things in Sunday school about what influence does and thinking about influence and how it bears fruit in the lives of those individuals that are closest to you. The second thing we discovered is how influence will outlive you. To me, that one's pretty profound. A lot of times we think about our life and the influence we want to have while we are alive. But do you realize your influence will live long after you are dead and gone? How many can think about individuals that you know that are dead and gone? But are still having influence on your life today. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. Whatever the case may be. Pretty profound thought when we get to thinking about how our influence outlives us. It's bigger than, than we are, really. That's pretty profound. And that'll make you stop and think a little bit about your life when you realize that it's going to outlive you. Now, your influence, whether good or bad, is going to outlive you. Hello? It's up to you to determine what type of influence that you're going to have. And I hope and pray that this message will help you in that today. Thirdly, we discovered that your godly influence can change countless lives. I like that. Because we at Victory Church, we're in the life-changing business. That's the whole reason we exist. is to be able to share the gospel and see people's lives changed as a result of coming to Christ and then growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then fourthly, we discovered this morning in our classes that godly influence is limited by the free will of those that are being influenced. I was sharing with Carlos this morning, we were talking about a situation and he was sharing with me a, a situation. I said, you know, Carlos, all we can do is plant the seed. All we can do is plant the seed. All we can do is, is live, try to live godly. All we can do is share God's word. All we can do is just be that influence on someone and then it's up to them to choose on whether to receive our message or receive our influence. It's based on the free will of those that we are influencing, whether they're going to accept that or not. And the fifth thing we've discovered and unpacked all week long is how we are to be be diligent to surround ourselves with godly influences. And I think that's very important. Uh, You know, uh, kind of on the health side of it, and I've seen commercials and, you know, you are what you eat, I've heard people say. You know, we are, we become what we allow to influence us, what we are around all the time. It does have an influence on us, what we listen to, the type of music we listen to, the lyrics of the words and of the music that we're listening to, the shows that we're watching. It all has a way of influencing us and we usually become what we have allowed into the eye gate or the ear gate. In other words, what we have allowed to influence us, we become a product of that. You may be a witness there. So therefore, we need to be sure that we have around us a lot of godly influences. Amen? Now, you've already studied all of that, and none of that's my message, but it's trying to set the stage on what I want to share with you today. Do you realize that Jesus spoke on influence? Oh, you find it all through the Word of God. You find it everywhere, really. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll find the principle of, of influence being applied and lived out and coming to fruition in the lives of a lot of different characters in the Word of God. But Jesus spoke on influence. And if you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to Matthew's Gospel. We're going to turn in a couple of different places in the Bible today. So get in the habit of bringing a copy of God's Word with you every day or every Sunday. 
I also have some of the scripture on the screen, not all of it, but some of it I'll have there. But in Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 13, it's our scripture for the day that Pastor Daniel came up and shared with all of us earlier. And here is where Jesus is really speaking on influence. Now there's a great theological debate on whether he was speaking to all the followers of Christ and all the those that were on the hillside that day, or if he was primarily talking about with the one interpretation of Scripture, if he was talking primarily just to his disciples, thus being the the leaders, thus being pastors, thus being those individuals. But I believe it applies. It's certainly applicable to all, and so I'm going to fall on the side that it applies to all of us. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Now let that sink in. Listen to what he just said. Jesus. Picture in your mind Jesus standing here this morning. And he looks at you. And he points at you. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. Wow. You know what he's telling us? He's telling us that we are people of influence. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and to be trampled on by men. Let me just ask you three or four different questions here, I think, that are in your notes there. And I want you to jot down a few little ideas. I'm not even initially going to give you the answers, but kind of think about this, if you will. And I want some response. Let's do a little interactive preaching here today, okay? Number question number one. What do you think? Number one. What do you think Jesus meant when he called you salt? What do you think he was meaning by that? Whenever he said, Daryl, you're salt. Eldon, your salt. Dan, your salt. What do you think? What do you think Jesus meant whenever he called us salt? Anybody? What do you think? Huh? Influence? Yeah, we're already kind of on that. That's where I'm definitely coming to. We give flavor? Surely. Yeah, we do. What, what, what's some other things? What's some things that salt does? Wow, there we go. Look at what well, somebody said. Blood, what was that? Troy, what'd you say? Racist blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, that can certainly happen. A lot of times when Christians are in the world and whenever we're trying to be a preservative and we're, we're letting our godly influence be known in an ungodly culture, it has certainly raised the blood pressure of some of those that are being influenced by that. Hello? It heals. There's certainly healing in salt. How many has ever had a cut on your foot or arm or leg or something and go jump in the ocean and in the salt water and stay in there a few hours, come out, and man, that thing looks good. Salt does heal. Anybody else? It does preserve meat products, and there is great um, preserving that takes place with the child of God and us giving our godly influence. I mean, all of these are correct answers. I mean, everything that salt does is what we're to be doing. But it does really all boil down to one word. All those different attributes and all those different things that salt does. In all reality, salt is influencing 
whatever it is that it's coming in contact with. Whether it's healing, whether it's making blood pressure go up, whether it's, it's preserving, whatever the case. Second question I want to ask you. What does Jesus mean when he says that you are the salt of the earth? What is of the earth? Anybody? What is of the earth? When he says you're the salt of the earth, what's he telling me? Your environment? Is that what you say? Mankind? Your environment? What else? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Giving us a charge to preserve the earth. What's he telling us here? Anybody else? Kind of be interactive here. Think about it. Jesus says, I want you to be the salt of the earth. You know what I believe he's trying to imply here? What? I, I can't hear you. To affect the earth. Well, who's the earth? Somebody said mankind. I think you said mankind over here. I heard it too. It, it's, it's the people that are around us. I mean, yes, the earth is under a curse. By the way, that's one thing that's going to make heaven so sweet for those that plant gardens and for those that love flower beds. Do you realize there'll be no weeds in heaven? Hello? I remember my mom and dad when they loved flower beds and they loved landscaping and they had stuff everywhere. Well, guess what my job was every spring and every summer and all throughout the summer. Guess what my job was? Weed the flower bed. And I got to thinking, why in the world do weeds come up? Well, I got to realize that after studying God's Word, I know why they come up now. It's a curse. When God's got a curse on the earth. Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us that the earth is groaning for the days of Elijah when the Lord comes back so that the curse will be removed from the earth. But it's more than just the dirt and the earth whenever he says, I want you to be the salt of the earth. Who did Jesus come to die for? People, right? He came to redeem mankind. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be the salt of the earth. And what he's saying is, I want you to influence people. Now for us, whenever we're putting mankind, we're putting people as the salt of the earth. What does that mean for me as an individual? What does that mean for you as an individual? When Jesus says, Charlie, that you are the salt of the people in your life, what does that mean? It means my immediate family, I'm to be influencing. It means my extended family, I'm to be influencing. It means my friends, I am to be influencing. It means my co-workers, I am to be influencing. It means my neighbors, I am to be influencing. Everybody in your circle of influence, you can put in the category of the earth. Jesus is saying, I want you to influence those people that interact in your life on a daily basis. That's what he's telling us. He wants us to influence people. People that come into our lives for whatever reason. He wants us to be the salt of the earth. He wants us to have a godly influence and an impact on those people's lives. Now, next question I want to ask you, and I believe it's in your notes. 
Where do you personally have the biggest influence? Where do you personally have the biggest influence? I'll try to list a few things there. Is it in your neighborhood? Do you have the biggest influence by text messaging? Which, by the way, is becoming the almost the number one way of communicating anymore. And how many text message? Most of us do. And by the way, if you want to interact with me more, text message me more. And that's okay. I can reply to those things. Matter of fact, I was talking with my sister the other day about an issue in North Carolina that she was facing while I was sitting in the middle of a meeting. Probably not the best time to be doing that, but it's amazing how we can multitask. Is it not? Do you have your biggest area of influence by text messaging people? What's some others we have listed there? Maybe a club or a social network. Maybe at school. Maybe in politics. Maybe online. How many have a Facebook account? Raise your hand. Facebook. That's a wonderful way to influence. By the way, let me tell you, for all you Facebook gurus out there, many of you already know this, I have established a Victory Church Facebook group that I want you to be a part of. And I'd like for you to interact more on that. And I want to start posting more and more questions on that and try to get some discussion and feedback from you on that. So log on to Facebook, get an account if you already have one, join the Victory Church group that is out there and get a part, be a part of our interacting as we try to work together to build this church. Also developed a cause. I put a cause on Facebook. Everybody, anybody familiar with that? Anybody familiar with the causes that are out there? There's a lot of different causes out there. And the the cause that I built on Facebook for our church is that folks would join our cause to help lives be changed in the Metro East through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and listen, we have people all across the country that are signing up for that cause. Now, beside that cause, there's a way you can make a contribution. Hello? Hey, people are giving $5 all across the country to whatever cause that's out there. Well, let's get some to help us build a church. Hello? Anybody with me this morning? All these are ways that we have influence. Maybe you're a blogger. Do any bloggers out there? There's a couple bloggers out there. All those are ways of of influence. Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's your work or your business. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's entertainment. Whatever the case may be. I want you to check. What do you think is your biggest sphere of influence? You need to be aware of that. You need to think, in my, in my life, what is the tool, what is the vehicle that God has put before me that He wants to use to help me influence lives? Now, if you're a parent, the number one vehicle is just being a parent and influencing your children. Hello? But there's a lot of different ways that we can be involved in influencing people. What do you think it means if, when Jesus said... For the salt to lose its taste. What do you think he was saying there? Sure, yeah. That's right. Harold? Lose your fire and your excitement? Anybody else? Can, Can we, let's keep it in the area of influence, can we lose especially a godly influence. Can we lose that on people? Yeah. Can you lose influence? I mean, people can start turning you off. And when I'm talking about losing, of course, it's going to be on their end of receiving it or not. 
You know, it takes a, it takes a lifetime to build, a, to build a, a good reputation, but it only takes one stupid incident to totally wipe it out. Great example of that all across the news media this week, David Phelps. Anybody been watching that? Michael, not David Phelps. Michael Phelps, the swimmer, all the gold medals, and did one stupid act. I don't know if it was one he did, but anyhow, he got caught doing one stupid act. Literally cost him millions of dollars. And what's taking him his whole life to get to the place where he can win all those gold medals, almost null and void. Hopefully he can rebound from that. Hopefully. But guys, we've got to be careful. We can lose our godly influence on people. Matter of fact, i got a video I want to show you a little bit about this passage of Scripture talking about the salt and the earth. And Harold's going to cue that up and play it for us right here. Watch this video, if you will. I'm confused about the Scripture passage we read in youth group. Listen to it and see if you can understand what it means. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Christ told us to be the salt of the earth, and I'm watching the adults around me to see what they do to be the salt of the earth. I know that salt is good to bring out flavor, and before there were refrigerators, salt was used to keep meat from going rotten. So, I think when Christ said he wanted us to be the salt of the earth, he wants us to add a Christian flavor to our society and keep our country from going rotten. I've heard of surveys and polls where over one-third of us Americans claim to be followers of Christ. Does that mean that over one-third of the politicians and over one-third of the college professors and journalists and all of America is over one-third Christian? If that's the case, then why don't you get more of a Christian flavor out of our whole country? If we are the salt of the earth that keeps our country from going rotten and gives it the flavor of Christ, then let's imagine that instead of one-third being Christians that obey and live like the salt of the earth, that only one-tenth of the population are obedient Christians that are really being salt. Do you think if I make this soup only 10% salt, my friend will notice? Tell me what it tastes like, okay? Okay. Wow, it's really salty. Did you see that? She noticed the salt. So if only some Christians acted like the true salt of the earth, our neighbors would notice. We'd make a big impact in our church, our community, and our country. So I guess the real question is, when are we going to get out of our salt shaker? And what are you going to do once you're out? Wow. Hello? There's the message right there, huh? God has called us, Jesus has called us to be the salt of the earth. And here's one thing I want you to know. Everybody, every single one of you that are here, every one of us has influence. We're all influencing somebody. We're all influencing someone. And we need to be careful how we live our lives. 
We need to be careful what we say, where we go, what we do, how we act, how we react. Why? Because someone is being impacted. Somebody is watching our loves. Hello? Uh, I wish somebody else really could preach this. Because it's not always easy to act and react the right way, is it? And I don't want you to think I got it all together because I don't. Hey, I'm struggling through this thing a lot of times with you and we're doing this thing together. None of us have arrived to that place where we are perfect. Hello? But we've got to remember that we are influencing people around us. It's like the mother and the boy, they were out shopping one day and they're going through all the malls and all the different stores and they're purchasing things left and right. And they go in this one little store and, and the clerk at this store realized there was a child there and, and this child had been with mom all day long, was really tired and exhausted. And so the clerk reaches behind the counter and pulls out a lollipop and gives this lollipop to that child. Well, the child takes the lollipop and looks at it. And mom says, well, what are you supposed to say? Hoping that he would say, thank you. He looked up to the clerk and he said, just put that on my credit card. <laughs> Listen, like it or not, that child had been influenced by shopping with mom all day long. Another little story I saw about a mom and she was taking her son to school one morning. Dad always took the son to school, but this particular morning, dad had to go to the office early. So mom gets up and she gets the little boy ready and she takes him to school. And almost to the school, little Johnny looks up at mom and says, mom. Where are all the idiots today? And she says, well, what do you mean? Where are all the idiots today? And she says, well, he said, every day when dad takes me to school, we see at least four or five idiots. Listen, he was being influenced, was he not? And guys, listen, we influence people that we come in contact with. Whether we realize it or not, we are coming in or we are influencing people. Now, I just want to share with you five different qualities of a godly influencer. Now, I'm going to unpack quality number one. I'm going to park there just for a little bit, and then the other four, I'm just going to just fly over and give them to you to put in your notes, and you can study these out. But I think number one is the one where I want to park and where I want to unpack and where I want to dig around a little bit. And so let me share with you these five qualities of a godly influencer. Number one, write this one down if you will, please. Number one is be authentic. If you're going to have a godly influence on someone's life around you, you've got to be the real deal. You've got to be authentic. Hello? You can't be a phony. You can't put on a mask. You can't put on a show. You can't act like your life is perfect. You can't act like your kids are perfect. Hello? Man, that's some sorry. Amen. I'm about to get down here and do my preaching, do my amen. Amen, preacher. That's good stuff right there. I, yeah. It, come on now. You can stay with me. Listen, our kids aren't perfect. And you know what? If we as Christians get up and we try to act like our kids are all this and our kids have done that, and, you're a phony. That's a fake. Your kids aren't perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Your kids have made mistakes. My kids have made mistakes. And you know what this world needs? This world needs some Christians that are real and just authentic. You see, they can get a phony on TV. Hello? Just turn on the TV any night of the week and you'll find all kind of showmanship out there. You'll find the phonies there. And I believe what our world needs are some real Christians that are authentic. And what they say and what they believe. Let me share with you a passage of scripture. I want you to turn your Bibles to this one, if you will. First John, turn there with me. First John chapter number two. 
I want us to look at verse 3 down through verse number 6. Boy, this is, this is a good passage of Scripture. You need to get a hold of this. 1 John chapter number 2, verse 3 down through verse number 6. Listen to what the Bible says. This is how we are sure that we have come to know Him. By keeping His commands. The one who says, I have come to know Him, without keeping His commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. This is how, get, get what it's saying. This is how we know that we are in Christ. This is how we know that we are a true follower of Jesus. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. The one who says that he is in Christ should walk like he's in Christ. In other words, your walk should back up your talk. Hello? And for us to have a godly influence on people around us, our walk has got to match our talk. If you profess that you're a Christian, you've got to live like a Christian. Not just on Sunday morning. Every single day of the week. How many ran across those people? I know you've seen them. I've seen them. I've heard, I've been talking to people and they'll bring up somebody. Oh, they go to church on Sunday. But you should see how they live Monday through Saturday. Well, if that's a Christian, anybody can... How many's ever seen that? Boy, what a, what a detriment to the church. What a detriment to the cause of Christ. What a detriment to being a godly influence on people around us. Listen, guys, we've got to be the real deal. We've got to allow our walk to back up our talk. And if we profess to be a child of God, we need to act like it. Hello? Now, is that always easy? Nobody said it was easy. But it's the truth. That's exactly what we must be doing on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question. How authentic is your faith? Is it the real deal? Are you living a Christian life every day of the week? Well, if we're going to be a godly influencer on people, our walk has got to back up our talk. And that's what the Scripture is teaching us. This is evidence that you are in Him, John is saying. Because your walk is matching what you're professing. And guys, I believe the world is looking for that. Now, I want you to hear me real clear. I'm saying be authentic. I am not saying to be perfect. There is a difference. Are you with me? I'm telling you that we need to be authentic. Not appear perfect. I mean, you know the individuals. Nobody likes a phony. Hello? Matter of fact, those phonies, have you realized the only people that they're fooling is themselves? I mean, everybody in the world knows they're fake. I mean, I mean, they act like, they act like the last time they sinned was back in 1932. Hello? When in all reality, it's probably at 6 or 932 this morning. Hello? I mean, don't walk around acting like you've got it all together. Like your life is perfect. Like your family. You see, I don't want you to think 
That because I'm a pastor, that me and my family get up at 4.30 every morning and gather in the living room and sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and pray. You know what we're doing every morning? We're doing what you're doing every morning. Get up! Get out of the bed! Get ready! Get out of the bathroom! You're going to be late for school! I told you to get out here in the garage! Honk! 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 Hello? Guys, that's my house too. Hello? I've learned not to really blow at my wife, but I can blow at those kids. <laughs> Guys, we just need to be real. And we need to let the world know, you know, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer in Christ. I'm striving to live for Him. But my life's not perfect. And I don't have it all together. And I don't want, I don't want to act like I have it all together. Those people that act like sin is a distant memory. Those people who think, want you to think that they never struggle in life whatsoever. All their finances are in order. All their children are in submission. Their wife calls the husband Lord. I mean, it's all, I mean, come on now. Hello? You've seen them. You know what gets me as a preacher? I've seen people walk in Victory Church like that. And act like they got it all together. Guys, the world don't need that. The world needs somebody that's real. And if, for us to have a godly influence on somebody, we've got to be authentic. Hey, yeah, I struggle with that, you know. Yeah, will you help me pray over that? Will you help me pray that I can get the victory over that? Yeah, I don't do this like I should do, but will, will you help me? I tell you what, guys, if, if we could remove the mask. Matter of fact, back in ancient Greece... You see, back in ancient Greece, they had these great theatrical productions in these great outdoor amphitheaters. But what they did not have was a sound system. What they did not have was cameras that could project a large image up on the screen so that thousands could see. So how did they overcome that in ancient Greece? You know what they did? And you've, you've seen these as, as you've studied history. They, they built these large masks that would portray the, the character that they were playing while on stage. And they would hold this, this bigger-than-life-size mask of this individual. And built inside this mask was a megaphone that they would speak through while holding this mask, while living out this drama and this play and this theatrical event. And they would stay behind this mask. We have an English word today that has its original root word in the object which was that mask at those great theatrical plays and dramas you know what the english word that we have today that's the root word for those masks it's called hypocrites hypocrites you see because they're portraying to be something that they are not they're claiming to be something that they are not and I wonder how many times in our lives, how many times in our church, how many times in our circles of influence do we walk around with these big masks? Look at me. We've got it together. Look at our family. We're the role model, bless God. You've seen it. I've seen it. I don't want to be it. I want you to know that I'm not perfect. 
I want you to know if you watch me, and I guarantee if you watch my life and you put me under the microscope, probably before we finish tearing down here today, you're going to find a sin. You're going to find an attitude that's not right. You're going to find a word that I said that maybe wasn't spoken in love. You're going to find a way that I reacted that just wasn't perfect. But I'm here to tell you, I ain't perfect. And all of us need to drop the mask. Why? Because if we're going to influence our world for Christ, they need to see something that's real. Hello? Are you with me this morning? Now, this is kind of my little bit of my soapbox pet peeve right here. And I thought, boy, if we're going to influence this country for God, for good, then we've got to be real. We've got to quit being a fake. Quit being a phony. I mean, the world calls them out every day. They see them. So, will you be real? We just choose to let down the mask. I like how the old country preacher said it. He said it something like this. He said, if you're claiming to be something you ain't, then you ain't what you is and you is what you ain't. Now let that suit sink in a little bit. He said, if you're claiming to be something you ain't, then you ain't what you is and you is what you ain't. Guys, you know what we need to start doing? We need to just start letting everybody know, listen, I, I've, got, I've got masks, but I'm going to throw them down. And I'm going to get rid of them. And I'm going to start living for Christ. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you see my faults and, and my failures and my warts. And, and I'm going to tell you it's all under the blood of Jesus. And, and thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not perfect yet. But I know where I'm going. And, and you know, almost as little children, little kids, we would get those little t-shirts on kids. And, and, and we'd put them on our children when they were little small toddlers. And, and, and just say, God's still working on me. There was a little song that kids used to sing. And little shirts they used to wear. He's still working on us, even as adults. And this world needs to see that, that we're real, that we are authentic. I want to turn to one passage of Scripture with you, and I'm going to close. I'm going to give you the last four notes, fill in the blanks. But I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 23. I want you to listen to what Jesus said along the same lines that I've been sharing with you about hypocrites. Matthew chapter 23. Really, the entire chapter, but we're not going to have time to look at the entire chapter. I want you to take note, though, through this chapter, that all the different woes. Matter of fact, I love verse number 8. It says, but as for you, don't be called a rabbi, because you have one teacher, and you're all brothers. Then he says, don't call anyone on earth your father, because you have one father who is in heaven. And don't be called masters either, because you have one master, that's the Messiah. The greatest among you will be a servant. Oh, that's, that's good stuff. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of that day were elevating themselves and wanting everybody to recognize them as these great spiritual leaders. Jesus comes on the scene and he pronounced all these woes in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, five scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, verse 13. Verse 14, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Verse 16, woe to you, blind gods. Verse number 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Pay attention to verse number 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also become clean. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites! 
You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow, that is some bold preaching in the midst of the Pharisees and the scribes of that day. What's he telling them? He's telling them to quit being a phony. Quit being a fake. Just admit who you are. And guys, if we're going to be a godly influence on those around us, we've got to be authentic. We've got to be the real deal. We've got to have an authentic faith. Anybody with me? Let me give the next four. Just write these down. I'm not even going to preach on them. But I'll give them to you for your notes. You can study them out. I'll put some scripture reference there for you to study. Number two, be compassionate. Be compassionate. Do you realize every miracle, every powerful work that Jesus did was, it, was derived from a heart that was compassionate and cared about people? And if we're going to be a godly influence, we're going to have to care about people. We're going to have to have a heart of compassion. Number three, be honest. Be honest. The scripture says, let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Let your yes be yes and your no's no. You know, just be honest. I mean, let's get back to the place where you give a man your word, you can bank on that man's word. Hello? I mean, business deals all across America used to be made on a word and a handshake. But now we got to go through attorneys and pay them umpteen thousand dollars just to, just to back up our word and our handshake. Just get back to the place of being honest. If we're going to have a godly influence on people, we're going to have to be honest. I can't preach that. Number four, be excellent. In all that you do, be excellent. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Be excellent in all that you do. Don't do anything half-heartedly. Do it for, for Christ as if doing it for Him. I don't care if it's shingling a roof, putting shingles on a roof, or vacuuming the floor, or washing the dog. God help me right there. I'm not perfect in that area. I'm taking the mask off right there. Okay, help me right there. Dogs. God help me. But be excellent in all that you do. Number five, gentle. Be gentle. Be gentle in all that you do. Have a gentle and a humble spirit about you. Now, if we want to be a, have a godly influence, we've got to apply those five things to our life. But first thing we've got to do is take off the mask and just be real. And just admit where we are. And then start working on those other things. I put a place on your notes there for you to evaluate yourself. As we prepare for a song of invitation. And I want you to evaluate yourself. Look at your, what is your commitment today. And I believe I put that on your notes. Is it there? I, I want you to check one of these. Number one. I am salty for God. And I want to be even saltier. I am striving to have a godly influence. I am striving to live for Christ. And I want to be saltier. I want to, I want to influence more people for Christ. I want to have a godly influence. If that's you, check that box. Number two, I've lost my saltiness. And I want God to help me today. The preacher, boy, there was a time when, man, I used to be so on fire for the Lord so on fire for God and I had a godly influence but I've just let stuff and whatever it is get in the way of me and God and I sense that I've lost a little bit of my edge spiritually 
I sense that I've lost a little bit of my godly influence. Is that you? If it is, check that box. Thirdly, I don't have a relationship with God. But I'd like to have that relationship today. What's your relationship with the Lord? Where is it? I wonder if every head is bowed, every eye closed.